0: Five innocent people kill not a sign of a human
1: die black podcast killed. is a podcast about true crime punk rock goth music and supernatural TV shows creepy movies creepy crafts and fashion reviews and pretty much anything else we want to talk about it may contain graphic content vulgar language and suggestive themes that may be triggering and/ or inappropriate for some listeners but let's be honest it's going to contain vulgar language all opinions are just that opinions. Are not scholars, lawyers, or historians, and by no means to claim to be experts, and have no proof that the information that we've obtained via the interwebs, and discuss to be fact, you have been warned, and welcome to Diet Black. Hello, and welcome to Diet Black. Diet Black! <laughs> die, die, Diet Black! I am super dry, so I'm a little horse but
0: he's Liam who is a little dry <laughs> yeah <shut up. laughs> I'm Tam and I'm Liam and welcome to the Turduckin episode everybody it's the holidays what goes better with the holidays than a little poultry we're gonna bring you all sorts of bird related stories today mm-hmm. little dark meat little light meat a little sorbet Yes, but it's been a long week here, and it's only Thursday. We actually apologized for being a day late, but it's been holiday, dinner, company, Christmas party shenanigans all week. So Uh, last night, by the time we got home, we brought home a friend after the party, Joanne. We're shouting you out again, just so your husband can make fun of me, because apparently that's what he likes to do when he hears my
1: voice. Sorry, shout out to Bo, too. I hope Mr. You Todd. Use that right away safely, sir.
0: <laughs> it's not
1: food! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and we are really glad to be here. We actually took the day off from work to decompress from all of the work shenanigans and shenanigans. <laughs> it's it's been good for us. Basically we went to a Japanese market and pigged out on Japanese food all day.
1: It was fucking amazing. By the way, if you're in the area or you come to the Chicago area, it's in I think it's in Mount Prospect. It's like Mount Prospect Arlington Heights, but it's Mitsua and it's really cool. They've got like a gift store, a full Japanese grocery store, and then they've got a food court. It has some absolutely amazing food. I'm going to be honest, we went today because we've gone on the weekend before, and it's so packed that you cannot sit down. So we were happy to go today and get there. When the food court opened, we actually got to eat there, and... It was worth it. Well, we see why it's always packed, but... Yes. So, um, yeah. Apparently, our decompression
0: from holiday party food is Japanese food, Mm -hmm. and we bought enough Japanese food to last us a couple of days. Yeah. So... It's light, It's healthier, er. and it's delicious. So, yes, um, that, that that's our <clears throat> food
1: intake. Yeah, and then because I've heard about the show so much, and everybody keeps talking about it on the podcast that we listen to, I Tam's finally got me to sit down to watch Mindhunters. Now I've been meaning to watch it because I like that stuff. I'm just not the type of person to sit down
0: for too long. He does not binge TV shows like a normal person. He can get through an episode of just about anything, and then he's done. But we have actually been plowing through season one. So we're about halfway through season one now.
1: Yeah, like, I am just super impressed with the actors and, like, the little snippets of Dennis Rader in the beginning of each of them is really cool. And I
0: realize I'm watching the first season for the second time now, and I realized that when I watched it the first time, it skipped over that because it was skipping the intros, and I never saw the Dennis Rader bits. So I'm actually pretty impressed to, like, go back and, like, pick up on that this time. And there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm picking up on. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're into mind games and serial killers, totally
1: a good watch. Yeah, so we recommend that And, on of course, another Netflix not, hashtag not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> uh, Stranger Things, <clears throat> which we are bad. We have not watched season three. It just hasn't been the right time for it. I figure, you know, we'll sit
0: down at some point and, again, like, just go through all of it in a couple of weeks. But we don't watch a lot of TV these days. We've Mm -hmm. been working a lot, and we've been working on our projects at home. So TV's been kind of a side thing for us. But we have a brand new television for... the um Black Friday and Merry Christmas baby. Thank you. Um he's been asking me for a couple of years for a much larger television set. So now we have a big
1: boy TV. Yeah, and it's it's got all the fun stuff. So I downloaded uh Philo and I was able to watch new Dead Files because our cable we don't have like the Travel Channel and Destination America, which I love, but apparently the package that has that is outrageous.
0: Yeah, for some reason that's really expensive for the package that we got, so we decided to just go around it and get it elsewhere.
1: So, you yeah, know, so, thank you, Interwebs. Yes. Um, so, and then I, on a, a deal, I was looking at, like, board games, and I found the Back to the 80s Stranger Things Trivial Pursuit, which we were super <laughs> excited about, and I really like the concept of it. The other thing is, is it's it's Stranger Things Trivia from season one and two, and, and it's All 80s. It's all 80s trivia. <clears throat> Which the, we know insanely. It, we're too good at it. So yeah. literally, instead of
0: like having to pick up different colored tiles like you do in the original game, in this one you just answer six questions right, and you fill up your piece and you win. And we literally both soloed a game. He started the first one, went all six, done. So the next time I started, went all six, done. And we're like... Um, we're probably going to have to, like, alter the rules next time to make it a little bit like more... you answer
1: one question, you move on to somebody else. And then we've got a couple of other smaller trivia pursuits that we will probably just mix in yeah. to make it a little more difficult.
0: We've got some Harry Potter trivia and some horror movie trivia. So, you know, if that doesn't tell you what we're into, um... You know, that's that's our lives right there. So we're
1: we're a couple of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sorry. <laughs> all right, so I think we we could probably get this bad boy going. Um, Should I start with the dark meat? Uh, yeah.
0: All right, I'm gonna give you guys a little true crime here, a little darker story. This is the meteor portion of the show tonight. So. We're going to get
1: through this, then we'll bring you a couple lighter stories. Um, yeah, so we're going to do regular story, creepy sorbet, regular story, creepy sorbet.
0: Yeah, so stay with us. We've got a lot going on, but I don't think it's going to be a very heavy episode. Mm-mm. And <clears throat> hopefully we'll have some fun with you. So, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, I am going to start by talking about the Brown's Chicken Massacre that happened in Palatine, Illinois, in 1993. You guys want some chicken? Fried chicken! Fried chicken! So, that's where we're going tonight. But it's not like Captain Spaulding's fried chicken, right? It doesn't make you shit the bed. Well, shit the bed! It makes you die in a cooler.
1: I don't know which is worse. I mean, at least maybe you'll be alive after you shit the bed, but... <laughs> You'll feel like you're to fucking die. <laughs> stomach flus are terrible. That's all I'm going to say. Let's not
0: talk about I've that. I've never really
1: had a, an actual, like, hardcore stomach flu until this year. <laughs> We're not going <laughs> to talk
0: about that. I never want to have it
1: again. We're not going to talk about that. Okay, I'm, I'm only going to say one more thing, okay? <laughs> Tam actually had to postmate me some <laughs>
0: I did. I literally, from work, had to have some poor soul go to the Walgreens, pick up (laughs) some poop meds, and deliver them to my husband, who is at home sick. To put a cork (laughs) in my ass. (laughs)
1: God. Um, (laughs) Anyway. TMI. Yeah, we do, like, a good poop joke. So if we see that, like, listenership drops off right here, we know why. (laughs)
0: No, now we're going back to true crime. Yes, yes, we are. All right. On a dark, cold night in January 1993. Fuck every night. It's dark and cold in January. <laughs> Jesus. Residents in the pleasant suburb of Palatine, Illinois, went to bed thinking that all was well and calm, as it always was in their little corner of the northwestern Chicago suburbs. At 9 o'clock p.m., the Brown's Chicken was ready to close its doors and lock down for the night. The parents of the cashiers were expecting them to all bundle up and come home for the evening. The new owners of the restaurant were ready to count out the cash in the safe and bring that to the bank in the morning. And all seven employees on duty had no idea that within a matter of minutes, each of them would be slaughtered and left on the floor of the walk-in cooler. And none, no one expected that would be no answers, and a community would live in fear for nine
1: years. Now, the way you wrote that, and yeah. don't, don't, don't be, I, I literally felt like it's like the twisted version of, like 'twas the Night Before Christmas.
0: I'm kind of going for that vibe, thank you very oh, much. Oh, yeah,
1: that was you didn't tell me, but that's how, I picked it up, so you did good.
0: Okay, see? I'm trying to be effective, <clears throat> I'm trying to draw you in. Yes. Yes, come, come. come. We have cookies.
1: Come, we have chickens. <laughs> We've got some chicken! There better be some mac and cheese. And...
0: Okay. They, they have mac and cheese, I think. Oh. But I
1: think we're just going to get chicken to death.
0: Okay. So, on the night of January 9th, 1993, a man sat in the dark corner of the Brown's Chicken restaurant in Palatine, Illinois. He finished his meal and tossed the bones in the trash can. He put on latex gloves. His partner cut the phone lines and came in just as the store was closing, figuring there would be fewer people there. They knew that no, there were no weapons or alarms on sight. His partner called out to him. Okay, let's do it. The man then started towards the back of the store as his partner fired a shot at one of the employees who attempted to jump the counter to stop their progress. Together... They rounded up the male employees and herded them into the walk in cooler. The man grabbed the female store manager, pushed her into the hallway to open the safe. She complied, but when she he tried to push her back towards the cooler, she hesitated. In the frenzy of the moment, the man slit her throat, and then walked into the two coolers, one after another yeah. <laughs> one after another. <coughs> Your pages is <are> stuck together. <laughs> They shot the rest of the employees. They would be found lying on top of each other in piles the next morning.
1: Todd, did you have to kill him?
0: Yeah. But why? (laughs) I'll get to that.
1: (laughs) Todd! Help! (laughs) Help, Todd!
0: Shut up, Gibson. (laughs) I I had to remember the cat's name. Um... (laughs) So as the night wears on, the parents of one of the victims were waiting for a phone call from the other son that he's done with his shift and is ready to get his ride home. After attempting to call the store and not getting answers for several hours, the parents called the police. On the other side of town, a wife of another employee is waiting for her husband to come home. She calls the police when he doesn't appear. The police find that his car is still in the parking lot and they find that the back door of the store is unlocked, and they enter to find the horrific scene. Over the years, the police have brought in several suspects, but none of the information matches up, and no one is charged. Now, before I talk about what happened later, I want to take a minute to talk about the people who lost their lives in the attack. Richard and Lynn Ellenfeld had just purchased the franchise store. Richard had been downsized from his corporate job, and they wanted to go into business together to be their own bosses. They had owned the place for about a month. Also slain were five employees. Guadalupe Maldonado, 46, of Palatine, was the cook. Michael C. Castro, 16, and Rico L. Solis, 17, were both Palatine High School students. And then Palatine residents Tom Menez, 32, and Marcus Nelson, 31. It was Michael Castro's parents who were waiting for their son to call home that night. It was Guadalupe Maldonado who never made it home to his wife and whose car was still in the parking lot. In March of 2002, the years of collecting evidence and waiting finally pays off. A call is made to the police department. A young woman says she knows who did the robbery and subsequent murder at the Brown's Chicken. Her name is Ann Lockett. Her boyfriend at the time and his buddy had described to her in great detail what had happened that night. And then he told her if she ever said a word, he would kill her too. She eventually told her new boyfriend and their roommate. They were so scared that they were actually in the process of purchasing firearms for protection. When a third friend who had heard the story called the police and told them to talk to Lockett. Finally, the story came out. Lockett told the police about her ex-boyfriend, James DeGorski, and his old high school friend, Juan Luna. Luna had been interviewed by the police previously. As a former employee of the restaurant, Luna knew about the new owners. He knew that they were lax about security. He knew which doors were unlocked, and he knew he could block the back door to lock the employees into the store. And luckily for the police, who now had the technology technology to check, his DNA matched that that was left on the chicken dinner thrown away right before the massacre started. So Luna was picked up right away because he was still in the area, but James Degorski had moved to Indiana. The police got Ann Lockett to call Degorski and talk to him for 45 minutes while he told her, what cover story, she should tell the police. He never once denied being involved, and the police had the entire conversation wired. They had what they needed to arrest him, and so they had him picked up. Once in custody, Juan Luna confessed in a 45-minute video confession. When he got to trial, he did not want to take the stand, but the video confession was accepted as if evidence. He explained how... Blow by blow, everything happened that night. Luna described how a simple robbery had spiraled out of control and had become one of the largest mass murders in Illinois history. He said, Everything got all wild and crazy, and he got caught up in the moment. He also insisted that the only person he had killed was Lynn Ellenfeld. He claimed that Degorski saw him shoot blindly into the freezer because he refused to actually aim at anyone, so Togorski took the gun from him and shot everyone else. And then he used a broomstick to poke the bodies to make sure they were dead. Now, between the videotaped confession and the DNA from Luna on the chicken bones, the jury brought back a guilty verdict in only one day. They were given the weekend to decide on the sentencing, and on May seventeenth, two 2007, 14 years after the massacre, Juan Luna was finally sentenced to life in prison. Several of the family members of the victims were opposed to the death penalty and were glad that he had received life in prison, saying, It lasts longer. But many said that they were not satisfied until James Degorski was also found guilty. Now, on September 29th of 2009, James Degorski was finally found guilty of all seven murders. Ann Lockett was the star witness for the prosecutors, who outlined everything Ditgorsky had told her over the years, and how he had frightened her into silence until that one last phone call where he spilled everything, and the police were able to
1: get it on tape. So, her last name was what? Lockett? So she kept the secret in a locket for nine years? Wow. You've been holding on to that one for a while, haven't you? Dad (laughs)
0: joke! Oh! I got the dad bod and the dad joke going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do like your dad bod, but hey. (laughs) The dad jokes, I I could do without sometimes.
1: Yeah, well, I get them from you, so... (laughs) I know, I'm terrible. It's only fair.
0: (sighs) Yeah. So... On October 20th, 2009, James DeGorsi was sentenced to life in prison without parole. All but two of the jurors had actually voted for the death penalty. Now, there was one last casualty of this massacre. What was once a thriving family business started in one restaurant in Bridgeview. The Brown's Chicken and then spread across the Chicago area in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, if you want to treat, there's actually a YouTube video of an old commercial that Steve Carell did very early in his career for Brown's Chicken,
1: yeah.
0: touting that it is cholesterol free.
1: <laughs> it's like <clears throat> it was a, a really it was doing really well. Like it was yeah, competing no, it's Like some of the major chicken, it
0: was. I mean, like they were <laughs> everywhere. I mean, my dad used my dad. Again, this is how my dad got his dad body. Um, he liked to buy the gizzards. The oh, my f-
1: dad loves deep fried gizzards. Yes.
0: So he'd go and he'd get himself a sack of deep fried gizzards <laughs> and sit there and, like, pop them while watching a Bears game. I mean, if there's nothing more Chicago than that...
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know what else it oh, is. Oh, yeah, that's, that's very Midwest. <laughs> he'd, get,
0: he'd get the gizzards and the fried mushrooms. So gross. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a dad food. I don't know. So was it the incident that started our tumble down? Yes, says Frank Portillo, who considered changing the name from Brown's Chicken to Brown's Chicken and Pasta like a chance to evade the stigma attached to the January massacre. Frank Portillo was the owner of the company that had, had to close up to 100 locations in the wake of
1: the murders. Yeah, because nobody would fucking eat there.
0: Well, yeah, sales dropped up to 35% in just a few months and no one would enter the restaurants after dark
1: cuz i mean at the time you did, they didn't know they had no idea isolated.
0: exactly and for 9 mm-hmm. years they didn't know so that restaurant totally took a dive
1: you know what questions i have though like as you're you're describing it and when yes. you read it to me before is like one how much money was in the safe we didn't they own- got about
0: 2 2 grand
1: Two grand, okay. That's it. All of so, that for two grand. And obviously it was premeditated, but did they know in the beginning that they were going to kill them all? because no. They say no. Juan Luna says it was supposed to just be a robbery. But then they knew who he was, though. Right. So it's like, did he know that in the end, the only way to get away with it was to kill them?
0: I mean, I think Degorski knew he was going to go in killing. He had the gun. Um... Juan Luna, I think, was just an idiot who was like, "Hey, I know where to get some money," and right. And then was
1: he fired? Was he disgruntled? Like that? They never went into that. I don't know why he was no longer an employee. Yeah, because I mean, those are questions that, like, I think police now would really dig into. Yeah, you know.
0: I mean, honestly, I dug around a lot. I read a lot of articles about this. I watched some, like, 25-year anniversary stories. Um, Shout out to whoever put the PDF together, who was a reference on Wikipedia, because you did the real work in this. There was, like, a a nice package deal that somebody had put together, and that was my main source of information, but I did spread out from there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's a few... Of the Brown's Chicken and Pasta locations still open. There's two in our general neck of the woods, like in the northwest suburbs. Um, There's definitely um, a few scattered around the city still. But um, last year for our office Christmas party at my building, my old boss, she loved Brown's Chicken. And she insisted that we get it catered. And there isn't even one near... Our building, like she actually had to get it from one of the suburbs and had one. When it was
1: right by her, so she probably went to Skokie then. Yeah,
0: she went to the Skokie one and had it brought into the city. Um, I mean, it's all right. I'm not gonna say it's not. I mean, we didn't even have fried chicken. It we had mostly the pasta part portion, but it was fine. But most people don't even know who they are. Like you don't see ads for them. Most young people have never heard of Brown's Chicken. Most people don't even know about the massacre anymore. I mean, this is stuff that's been kind of pushed under the rug. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who hear Brown's Chicken, and it went from being a suburban success story to synonymous with massacre.
1: Yeah, I think I actually did the anniversary. I remember watching it on Mm -hmm. the news in January. Yeah, so... Like every year or so,
0: they, they pay tribute to it. It's just, it's one of the biggest. I mean, as they said, it's one of the biggest mass murders to actually happen in Illinois. We're known for murders, but we're not known for mass murders. It's usually one on one violence here. I mean, so. they could
1: advertise it to be like, brown chicken, a good source of iron. <laughs> no, I think it's lead. <laughs> <laughs> lead oh. and iron.
0: Oh, we're terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Yeah, so that's the story of the Brown's Chicken Massacre.
1: And, I mean... mean, It it did keep an entire community in grips for, like, nine years because they're like, who the fuck would do this? Right, I mean, that's scary as hell. To scare people enough to stay away from a place that was actually doing really, really well at one point.
0: I mean, if all you know is that there's seven people shot and piled up in a cooler... Had no other information. You don't know when that's happening again. No, that's you don't. gonna keep anybody terrified. And they didn't know it was a one-off. They didn't know if it was somebody going around taking out Brown's chickens. They didn't know if it was people taking out fast food restaurants. If it was a personal vendetta, I mean, that is enough to scare the bejesus out of a community. Yeah. So that. That's, that's... That's,
1: um... That, yeah, I mean, that's totally deep. It, it really is. Yeah. So... So that that's my,
0: my deep story for you. Now I'm gonna give you a little funny side story completely. Um... When we were discussing
1: poultry-related stories and mm. birds, um... Birds. She's like, what am I gonna talk about? And I was like, that's funny. And I was like, oh, oh totally. Tell them about your meeting mishap. So...
0: This happened about two, three years ago. I was going from my office to a meeting downtown Chicago, and to get there, we had to go through this big park along the lakefront, Lincoln Park, and, um... Which is beautiful. It's home to Lincoln Park, so... Yeah, and at certain times of year, it's also home to hundreds of giant Canada geese,
1: Canada, take back your fucking asshole birds. You're so nice. We don't want your asshole birds. I think that's why they, they, they're like, okay, shoo. Sure. <laughs> go, to, go, go to USA for now, please. Go. We'd really appreciate it if oh, you would oops, go. Oh sorry.
0: <laughs> oh sorry. And they just shoo them across the border. Um, so, yeah, we're driving through the park on the way to this meeting, and all of a sudden, about 20 of these giant birds decide that they're going to cross the road directly in front of us. And what are you going to do? You can't hit them. You can't speed up. You just have to sit there and wait. It's like waiting for herding cattle. And so my friend and I are like, we're going to be late for this meeting. What do we do? So this being the tech age, took out my cell phone, took a picture of the geese crossing the road, shot it to a text message to... The person who was the meeting coordinator and was like, sorry, we're late. This is why. And apparently she starts cracking up and passing the picture all around the meeting. So when we finally got there about five minutes late, we were not too bad. But we walk in, the entire room starts applauding for us. And she's like, that's the best excuse I've had for being late to a meeting ever. You get a pass. Come on in. Let's sit down and get to work. So... (laughs) Thanks, Canada, for your geese.
1: Yes, your angry... Angry, angry Passive-aggressive geese that poop everywhere.
0: Poop everywhere. So, all right, I've handled the chicken, I've handled the goose. I am going to hand it all over to Liam now for a little walk on the duck side.
1: Yes, okay, so, um, this is a much more recent crime. Um... This actually took place last year in September, late September, the beginning of October. And it actually took place a mile from where we lived. So we caught a ton of it on the news. My only thing in doing research for it, because we've already hit the one year anniversary, is unfortunately there's not a lot of information because the killer is still at large. They never found him. Yep. Um, So, but this occurred in Rogers Park, which is the most northern... Uh,
0: The neighborhood.
1: Neighborhood within Chicago. Yeah. So Rogers Park, it's one of the 77 unique neighborhoods that makes up the city of Chicago. So if you don't know Chicago, you know, there's certain things like New York City is divided up into boroughs, and then they've got little neighborhoods, but Chicago has their neighborhoods that are extremely unique. So like we lived in Edgewater that had its own flair, right? Right. Then there's Rogers Park has its own, and then Uptown to the south of us, and... And, like, yeah,
0: you walk a few blocks and everything can change. Yeah. From economics and demographics to what kind of stores are there, what the cultural group of the area is, so... Rogers Park, being on the very, very far north side, is actually one of the most culturally diverse
1: in the city. Right. So, um, it's actually about nine miles north of the Cook County Courthouse mm-hmm. because it is part of Cook County, um, and it's easily accessible by the city's red, yellow, and purple lines. So you can get in and out of Rogers Park. It's 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 accessible by bus lines, L lines. Like it's a, a still is slowly not becoming one of the more affordable neighborhoods in the city. Right. So, um, And it's
0: right along the lake. There's some beautiful beaches up there. Oh, yeah,
1: it's gorgeous. And and it's just north of the cemetery that we took pictures at and featured in our first episode. Yeah, um, so if you're by Calgary Seaweed Cemetery... Charlie.
0: Yes, and going to go check out Seaweed Charlie. He's right there. He's just right up the beach from, yeah. from where this took place.
1: So um, Rogers Park um, actually borders Lake Michigan to the east, Right on the water, obviously, yeah. with the beaches. Um, west Ridge to the west. It's called West Ridge, but nobody fucking calls it that. I
0: have never called it West Ridge no, in my it's, life. it's
1: been called West Rogers Park since it, it was apparently no longer West Rogers Park in, I think, the 70s or the 80s, but... Who knew? don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like, okay, in Chicago, once something is stapled as something, that is what it will always be. Like, what, Lincoln Park has a statue of...
0: Lincoln Park has a statue of Grant, and Grant Park has a statue of Lincoln.
1: Yeah, and they're just like, if you don't like it, fuck off. (laughs) And they were
0: both built on the bodies of dead people. But, you know, that's another story for mm -hmm. another
1: day. Or, like, Sears Tower, which is... It is the Sears Tower. It will always be the Sears Tower. Yeah, it's called something else now. It's the Willis
0: Tower. Yeah.
1: But nobody's gonna fucking call it that. And then, um... The, the, John, Han- the Hancock.
0: Yeah, the John Hancock building will always be the John Hancock building. But apparently they lost the naming rights, and now it's like... 8,800. Or 857,
1: or... Who who knows? who cares or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's a fucking Hancock building. And it and always will be. By the way, a story about the Hancock building <laughs> is I am... I lived in New York City, and I found out, living in New York City, that I am absolutely petrified of... Elevators. Elevators with heights. Like, I can do, like... The slower elevators, most of the time, Yeah. that go like four, five, six stories up, I'm okay. But anything higher than that scares the fucking shit out of me. (laughs) So I had been here for almost two years, and Tam decided that we were going to go into the city and do something touristy. She's like, yeah, we're going to go have a drink somewhere, just trust me. (laughs) So we go into the Hancock building, I'm like, oh, it's really pretty, what are we doing, why are we in a line?
0: I'm like, "Just, just go with it.
1: So we get on the elevator, and this fucking thing shoots us up to, what, the 95th floor? Yeah, the 95th floor. And, but, it was shaking. I'm, like, freaking out just talking about it. shaking (laughs) the whole way up. So we get up there, and it was in the summer, so it was fucking hot. And I'll tell you what, if you don't know shit about heights, the window... One, when I finally got up there, I was okay. I took some pictures. I will probably not do it again. But... What surprised me were the amount of spiders on the windows outside that high up.
0: Okay, so in August and September in Chicago, we have these spiders that literally parachute from building to building. They put out their webs, they get caught in a wind blast, and get shot up. So whenever you're in a really tall building, you get these massive, big, creepy spiders on every window and it's it's so i'm scared of heights and spiders so my worst job ever would be cleaning windows in a in a
1: high rise that's never gonna happen i know but anyways okay so we've got westward (laughs) what westward westward we have westways to the west evanston to the north north which is where tam grew up yes And Edgewater to the south, which is where both of us lived before we moved out here. Yes. To the uh, northwestern burbs of
0: Des Plaines. Which
1: we also call either Des Trains or Des Skunk.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Because... We got plenty of both.
0: Skunks and trains.
1: If you ever, like, listen to our podcast and you hear, like, a train in the background, it's because we literally have freight train tracks a half a block from our house. Yeah. So... And then we're also surrounded by the uh, metro train right on the other side of the neighborhood. Um, So it's also home to Loyola University. Right. Um, And it was also once part of the Jesuit providence of Chicago.
0: Hence Loyola University.
1: Correct. Very Jesuit. Yeah. And it has a high degree of liberalism and tolerance and was once... I got this interesting fact about it. It was, like, penned, like, the bloggiest neighborhood in 2007. And Dan's like, what the fuck? I was like, they're very opinionated. I don't know. (laughs) And then to give you an idea of the neighborhood, so in the early 20th century, um, they built a ton of apartment buildings in the area because during that time, people were moving further north in the city. Like, um, Rogers, not Rogers Park, uh, Edgewater was kind of like a rich suburban neighborhood. It actually had some what are considered Chicago mansions. still has a few. Um, So they were trying to find more affordable living. But by the 1940s, these um, apartment buildings were divided up into smaller, more affordable apartments to give people more options to live. And then by the 60s and the 70s, um, impoverished people began flocking to the area to escape the city's south and west sides, but so basically by the sixties and the seventies, the what is still notorious south and west sides of the city were just becoming what they are now. Yeah. Um,
0: and Rogers Park was pretty shitty back then too, and into the eighties and nineties
1: still. The um, yeah, Howard even parts of Edgewater, like still now. Yeah. They they warn you that like you could your car you could park it on one of the blocks and like Kenmore. Yeah. And end up with it on bricks.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Chicago Red Line, the main northwest train...
1: Oh, man, they talk shit about that Red Line so much. There's been a couple of shootings, too, recently. Like, even when we were living there, there was a shooting a couple blocks from us.
0: Yeah, but the farthest north stop is Howard, and the area around the Howard Street Station is now beautiful. They have regentrified that amazingly, and there's all sorts of really cute restaurants and shops, but back when I was in high school and before that it was a dump. Yeah. It was really poor, really gang riddled, really drug riddled and it was literally known as the jungle.
1: Yeah. So now, after we talk about the story, I'm yeah. going to circle back to that because okay. I have theories on okay. the myself, but He has theories, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I know. All right, so, so
0: Going right. back to the actual crime committed right. here. So,
1: basically, with that and a uh, combination of Loyola University and Northwestern and Evanston, mm-hmm. to the north, which is what, like, uh, the Midwestern Ivy League school... Correct. Other than University of Chicago. Right. Yeah. Which is in the south. South side. Um, Rogers Park, it has an extremely diverse population, and that's because of the fact that it had an impoverished community, but it also had an educated community. And people liked the area, and decided to settle in the area. So you've got this very mixed community of, you know, educated college professors, and then you have people who moved to the area because it's what they could afford Mm -hmm. to get the fuck out of bullshit. But they also, they did bring... The bullshit with them. They did. So there's, like, a whole thing on uh, the gangs Mm -hmm. in Rogers Park that migrated from other areas. Um... So even after being part of a city, so that it's notoriously berated mm-hmm. by our supreme leader for its crime rate, um, this particular crime shocked the city. Yes, because uh, of the, the lack of evidence and the randomness, and so they. I'll explain to you that this is. Some people call this the Roger Rogers Park Murders, but it's also called the Duck Walk Murders. And I'll get into that. Um, so I've got some of my information. Now, forgive me, I pulled it from Reddit and I didn't organize it as much as I wanted to. But I feel like the person who put this together on Reddit did a good job of getting a lot of information that I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So on the morning of September 30th, 2018, at around 10 a.m., 73-year-old Douglas Watts was walking his two dogs around his neighborhood in Rogers Park, Chicago. A relatively quiet neighborhood on the far north side situated just south of Evanston, which we went over this stuff, but it's important. Uh, Rogers Park is one of the most diverse cities. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it has a median income of 40000 a year, and it's home to incredibly variant peoples of many walks of life. So other than what we talked about, there's also a section of uh, Devon, which uh, is called, I think, Little India, but now it's changed recently.
0: Yeah, the neighborhood along this strip has gone from being very Jewish and very Orthodox Jewish to being very Indian, and now it's becoming
1: very Middle Eastern. Yeah. So it's a really like I mean, if you can literally get anything and everything in Rogers Park. Yes. It's also home to um. Where's the place we go to brunch to sometimes?
0: Which one? Misericordia. Oh, the Misericordia, which is a really great um, organization um, that gives people with developmentally um, challenged um,
1: youth a... Housing, jobs.
0: Yeah, and they take really good care of them and give them a lot of opportunities. And they also have a really nice restaurant that you can get a buffet brunch at for
1: pretty cheap. On Sundays? Yeah. It's, so. it's it's awesome. Like, the stuff they do for the price. Yeah. And their bakery. Is on point. Yo, if you like zucchini bread, <laughs> this shit is on point.
0: So, hashtag All not right. sponsored, but yeah, we do love some it's of their zucchini good, bread. It's a good <laughs>
1: cause, and every year around the holidays, if you drive around there, they do, like, you do give donations, and they give you a tiny little thing of, like, Jelly Bellies. Yeah. It's really cool. So, Watts, uh, Douglas Watts, was described by a neighbor as a gentle, kind, seemingly loving man who often stopped to chat. He lived on Sherwin Avenue, which is primarily a residential street, and he shared the home with his husband, um, which was just off the main thoroughfare of Sheridan, which Sheridan runs right along yeah. the lakefront. Um, and it was only a few blocks from the beach of Lake Michigan. Um So we did collect a little bit of information on him, but him and his husband had recently met. They had gotten a civil union, and they were just married in 2015. So they were only married for like three years.
0: But there wasn't a lot of information on them. I guess his husband has decided to keep pretty private about all this, so we want to give them that respect. But, you know, he's from all accounts, what I've read as well is that he was liked by all his neighbors. Everybody knew him for walking his dogs every day. They'd all come
1: out and chat. And him and his husband were a regular at one of the really awesome bars called the uh, Glenwood. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is like a it's like the north north side's um kind of casual gay bar. So they they handle the far north side of the Pride
1: um, festivities every year. Yeah, they hold a hell of a little street party, which yep. is cool. And um, that side... So, <clears throat> for people who aren't familiar with it, and it's definitely a phenomenon that I've only seen in Chicago, is the northern neighborhoods of Chicago. So there's Boys Town, which we will definitely be talking about soon. But Boys Town is right near Lincoln Park. It's in Lakeview. So that's like the neighborhood. But it's usually more of, it's nightclubs and stuff, so it's more of a younger gay population. The northern side, which is like Rogers Park and Andersonville, and was also, Andersonville I believe is home to uh, uh, man country, which was one of the oldest bathhouses in the, what, the nation, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's a older gay male and bear community. Yes. Which I haven't seen a lot of. So you've got the leather community, bears, and the older gay men like it. Because it's a smaller, closer-knit community. It's
0: where you settle when you're tired of being in the, like... The bullshit. The bullshit of Boys Town. Like, when you're tired of trying to put on your fancy face to go out and, like, pick up tricks, and you've gotten married and you want to settle down,
1: you go north. Yeah, and it makes sense why they moved to this neighborhood, because... It was a place they were close to people they knew, they felt safe, and they felt like they were at home. Exactly. Which, another reason why this was such a shock. So it was on the sidewalk, just steps outside where he lived, that he was shot in the head. A single shot at point-blank range. Yeah. Just um, out of nowhere. Yeah. The killing immediately rocked the neighborhood. Although Rogers Parks has a shares of gang violence, it still scared the shit out of people. Um, and plus it was in broad daylight.
0: Yeah, it was broad daylight. There seemed to be no motive for it. I mean, this guy wasn't doing anything to piss anybody off. He was literally just walking his dogs. Yeah,
1: so there were some security footage of a man wearing all black, a black male with a face mask. I mean, you could see the top half of his face.
0: He was wearing a skull cap and a scarf and a big winter jacket, and it was not a cold day.
1: No. And there's actually video of him walking to the crime scene and then running away. And the reason that they call it the Doc walk murders is because he had a very specific gait. So both of his legs were pointed out and he almost waddled. Yeah, it's I mean, and he was a thin man. Like, I know, big guys, (laughs) we waddle sometimes. Okay. I mean,
0: it's unfortunate that that's what people picked up on, but that's what they said that would catch him, is mm-hmm. if anybody knew a guy who walked like a duck, that's that's your killer right there. So for days, duck walk was the
1: buzz term all over town. Mm-hmm. And although police speculated that the robbery was a motive for the killing, um, this was met with skepticism from the community, because Watt's belongings were left on his body. He didn't take anything. He just... just walked up to him, put the gun to the back of his head, and fucking the trigger. That was it. And then ran away? Yep, yeah, and then ran away. Um, so, given that there were witnesses and likely security footage, which we have seen, um, the alderman of Rogers Park, uh, Joe Moore, expressed optimism that the case would be solved quickly. So, the residents of Rogers Park, although shaken and confused by the event, mostly chalked it up to a robbery gone wrong and went back to their lives. Now, the next morning, on October 1st, um, Ellie Moskowitz was just a few blocks from the site of the murder, no more than a 10-minute mile, ten minute walk away. And he was near Loyola Park, right. which is by the university and right on the lakefront. Um, Moskowitz was 24-year-old um, Orthodox Jew. He actually was the supervisor of the kosher kitchen at Jewel Osco near Vine Evanston. And... <clears throat> The evening also marked the onset of uh, Simshet Torah, which is a Jewish holiday. Um, His father said that he dressed in traditional Jewish attire and had a long beard. Now, he was in the park, which does this even say that? So he was shot around, he was attacked around 10.20 p.m. Um, He was shot in the head at point blank range, same as the other guy. Now, a local pastor discovered him just after he was shot. He said he was laying there with the rain coming down, and it was if it was if it was my son or my relative, I would just want someone to stand there with them during this time. He said it's so sad. Um, and he just he it was heartbreaking. Like they had him on TV, and he was just bawling. So Mosquitos was an avid player of Pokemon Go, and he was likely out catching Pokemon in the park that evening. He was a well known local Pokemon Go community. And at the vigil for him, fellow fellow Pokemon Go player said he would trade his crappiest Pokemon to give us his best. Yeah, I mean he was a good kid. Like the, he was part of a group. Like these kids talked about him and they absolutely loved him. Yeah, they were part of a Facebook group for Pokemon Go
0: players. I mean, you, you got to remember this was the heyday of Pokemon Go, and people would go out to the parks. Because as someone who used to play pretty frequently, it was my
1: commute. Um, game of choice for a long time. Right at that time, too. Yeah, right at that time. And oh, This was not long after the Pokemon Go Grant Park debacle. <laughs> but um, the lakefront of Chicago,
0: so full of Pokemon gyms, it is just Pokestop after Pokestop. After so
1: Pokestop. Uh... You could
0: literally just walk that trail that he was on and just pick him off one at a time. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this guy was just out minding his own business. getting him, for shinies. Yeah, hunting for shinies, getting himself a little Psyduck, and instead he got a little
1: duck walk. Yeah, so Squitz's murder, that sent Rogers Park into a panic. Oh, it was terrible. So one person shot in the head is hard enough to rationalize as a mugging gone wrong. But another, just the next day, and just a few blocks away... The CPD promised that they would run a ballistics test to determine whether the same gun fired both bullets. The next afternoon, the CPD superintendent, Eddie Johnson, confirmed it. Oh, we could talk about Eddie Johnson.
0: Oh, he's...
1: Yeah, he's yeah. in the news right now. The shell casings were a match. At the day's press conference, they released a chilling surveillance photo of the su- suspect, clad head-to-toe, 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 <laughs> head-to-toe in all black just before... He shot Doug Wallace outside of his home. The following Doug day... Watts. Right, Doug Watts, my bad. <laughs> the following day, police released a surveillance video of the killer, both on Sherwin Avenue before killing Watts and fleeing the crime. Due to his odd gait, here we go with the duck walk stuff, um, in the video, the killer was received the nickname the Duck Walk Killer. No video or photographic evidence was found from Moskowitz's murder.
0: Unfortunately, in the park there, there really isn't anything. No, there's nothing. So, they couldn't really get any evidence that he was... You know, like, they didn't have any footage of him. But, you know, the gun was the same gun used. Mm -hmm. So, they know it was the same guy.
1: Yeah, so in the aftermath of Mockowitz's murder, Rogers Park was on high alert. And police swarmed the neighborhood in what was described as a saturation tactic. Trying to catch the killer before he struck again. Which, unfortunately still to this day, has led nowhere. Um, since then, the case, the evidence has gone... It's gone cold. The whole yeah, thing. literally, cold.
0: he goes in, shoots two guys in 24 hours, and then disappears into nowhere. Everybody figured there was probably going to be another murder. Everybody was expecting something to come of it. Somebody knew something, and nothing happened.
1: Yeah, like, they actually raised the largest reward in Chicago history to try to find this guy, which was $150,000. And by February, it was reported that detectives has exhausted all leads, including a suspect who turned out to have an alibi. The loved ones of Douglas Watts and... Muskowitz are waiting for justice. So, they actually just did a whole thing on, like, the year anniversary of it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's... They found nothing, right? So... It's unfortunate, but they did find recently that there was a shooting, I think it was on the south side, mm-hmm. with a gun matched.
0: Yeah, so the gun's still out there.
1: But no leads. So I do have some theories. Um, I've only I, got a little bit left before I, we have I, to stop the recording. But...
0: I want to say this, though. The fact that the Brown's Chicken murders were solved after nine years because somebody knew something and just couldn't say something, that is what I feel is going to happen here. There is hope. Somebody knows something. Somebody said something to
1: somebody. And the theory is that the guy lives in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. But you have to realize we're in a city where people hate the police. They do not trust the police. So if you know the guy, you're not going to go forward. One, it's what I found is Chicago is very much a city of vigilante justice. So if somebody wrongs you, don't go to the cops. Tell your community they'll take care of it. But they're not. They're not fucking taking care of it. There's a murderer out there. And there are a couple of different theories. So, you know, they're both white males. And because of the race of the killer, people think that it was racially motivated. Me, I kind of would piggyback off of that. Because Rogers Park and Uptown are two neighborhoods on the north side that are in the process of being gentrified and are fighting back hardcore. So, I... I mean, it's just an opinion. You're alone. I feel like maybe the killer, that was his way of being fed up of the gentrification and trying to inflict fear and to slow it down.
0: It's happened before. I mean, we've had neighborhoods where... There were people throwing bricks through the windows of new stores to keep people away from starting new businesses in the area. Um, And that area, as we said, is right now booming with new restaurants, new specialty stores. They've got a store that just sells marshmallows. I mean, if that ain't some hipster bullshit, I don't know what is. So, you know, he may very well be pissed off about that and trying to keep the like... You know, not necessarily the white people out of his neighborhood, because we don't know that that's necessarily the case, but just to keep the neighborhood
1: as it was. Yeah, I mean, I've lived in neighborhoods when I lived in Jersey City. I watched gentrification, and it was horrifying, because you've got landlords refusing to do anything in buildings to flush their low-income tenants out to redo the building and bring higher-income tenants in. It happened to me in Wicker Park. That's why I no longer lived in Wicker Park.
0: I couldn't afford to live there anymore because everything was under gentrification. They kicked us out and probably got three times the rent from the next people after they did like a you know paint job on the place.
1: Well that's that's becoming the part of the issue with Chicago right now mm-hmm. is everyone's moving out because nobody can afford it. They think that they're making the city better but in essence they're taking away any diversity that the city did have which this city is extremely segregated still to this day. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean, there's a couple of talking points the guy on Reddit talked about, but I think we've kind of, you know, touched what we needed to talk about. Yeah,
0: we've covered the gamut on most of it, but the fact is that, yeah, it really did keep people stopped in their tracks for a couple of weeks. I know people who lived in the neighborhood, and we weren't that far from it, as we said, so, you know, people were really watching where they went, people weren't going out at night, people were... Really, you know, looking over their shoulders and as things do, after a little while, you know, you forget, you move on. But he's still out there and hopefully they'll they'll catch up with him sooner yep. or later.
1: So we're gonna take a short break, which won't affect you at all. <laughs> and then I'm gonna do my creepy sorbet. Do 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 do
0: do 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 do. All
1: right, so we're back from our quick break. Um, while that was away. This is still an open investigation, it's still an open case, so if you're in the area and you have any tips or any information, please contact the CPD. These families deserve justice.
0: Or if you don't want to contact the Chicago Police Department for any multitude of reasons, um, there are places that you can contact as well, like Crime Stoppers, they're an organization that takes tips anonymously and will relay them to the police for you. So you do not have to go to them directly. Yeah. I know a lot of people in Chicago are very wary of our police department for, you know, some good reasons, some bad reasons. Um, whatever they are, that's your own. And just, you know, get the news to somebody, talk yeah. to a news outlet, something so that.
1: There are answers that can go to help these families and a community that's in mourning. So much so that they do. There still is a hundred and fifty thousand dollar reward for tips that lead to the arrest and conviction of the murderer. So, <clears throat> on a lighter note, now we're gonna do my creepy sorbet. Yes, which I've always, 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 always had to bring to you from a sunny, fucked up Florida, ah, uh, the Sunshine State. So this one, I was actually looking for like weird stories out of Florida, and it's actually really funny because it comes out of the county that I lived in before um, I moved up here. That Tam was like, you got to get me the fuck out of there. So it's, um, it's part of Lake County, which is just outside of Sumter County. I lived in Sumter County right before I moved up here. Um, which, unfortunately, still has a very, very high concentration of KKK in the nation. So, if that gives you an idea of how backwoods and batshit it is. Um, so, there's a section in the northern area of Lake County called the Villages, which is, it's compiled of a bunch of little villages, hence the Villages. It's a huge retirement community. And this is pretty funny. <laughs> so, this story I'm going to call the Turkey Lady of the Villages. So, there was a 69-year-old woman, um, and this is recent from this past month, uh, this information, um, known as a turkey lady. She was once arrested for shoplifting almost $1,500 worth of merchandise at Belk, at a Belk store in Lake County, Florida, while dressed as a turkey. I mean, if you're going to go
0: shoplifting and you want to blend, wear a turkey costume. Nobody will notice
1: you. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So this was a 2017 that she got arrested for this. But recently, this past month, she's been back in the news for getting arrested for exposing herself in pure cuckoo bird style. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) So Lake County Sheriff's deputies were called to a place about um, 1 p.m. Monday to a home on the 1,000 block of Aloha Way.
0: Aloha!
1: in historic side of the villages when irene lenhart also a resident of the area refused to leave her ex-boyfriend's home when deputies arrived she hurled a bottle at them and then pulled up her denim house dress and exposed herself let me show you my turkey you want you want to tell me that i got to go somewhere look at this shit right <laughs> here
0: I mean, nothing says
1: classy like a denim house coat, That's all I'm saying. And obviously, I'm going to assume she wasn't wearing any panties. Because oh, she's just yeah, like, here's no. my junk, baby. <laughs> Maybe she was trying to rope in the cops, too, because her ex wasn't going to give her none. She's like, oh, hey there, big boy. <laughs> Woo! Now the mail <laughs> I'm
0: showing you my aloha way.
1: <laughs> so, her ex-boyfriend agreed to sign a trespass order banning her from the property. And then she began screaming and cussing that she didn't have to leave. I ain't gotta leave. Don't you tell me what to do, okay? Don't, <laughs> don't you tell me what to do. I will do what I want. I'm gonna have a sip here of my beer, though. Hang on one second. <laughs> That's some good shit. All right, so she starts <laughs> cussing out there, right? They wrote this in the arrest report, so I'm like, you, you, you can't make this shit up, right? So when the, the deputies told her that she had to leave, she's like, she said she's not leaving, and she, that she planned on coming back. She's like, I ain't leaving, and I'm gonna come back, and there ain't shit you can do about it. And the police are like, ma'am, we're gonna have to take you to jail if you come back. And she told the deputies, well then, take me to jail. (laughs) So they fucking took her to jail. (laughs) Well, yes. I mean... As you do. (laughs) Yeah. So she was booked at the Lake County Jail and charged on trespassing, and then she was released after posting a $500 bond. However... Yeah, so... And then according to the area's newspapers, recently, that she's not going to be prosecuted by the prosecutor's office because they're like it's already dead what are we going to do. Yeah. Um she's pretty pissed off though and so right afterwards she actually wrote a letter to the local newspaper that I got the information from which is the Village Reporter. Um angry that she was ousted from the social group that she was part of. She was a red hatter. I don't know if any of y'all know about the red
0: hat ladies. They're an international organization of older, quote-unquote, sophisticated ladies who like to lunch and have outings.
1: Yeah, like, actually, her her
0: aunt. My Aunt Mary was a member of the Red Hat Society. Like, I didn't
1: know what it was, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I got a short little snippet, right? So the Red Hat Society is an international society organized that was founded in 1998. In the United States, for women ages of 50 and beyond, um, but is now open to women of all ages, um, its main purpose is to provide women with opportunities for pleasant social interaction, both for reconnecting with old friends and making new ones. Um, There are more than 50,000 members in the U.S. and 30 other countries. So when I saw this, and then I saw pictures of the ladies in their red hats, I was like, holy shit, Mary was a red hat.
0: I was like, oh, yes, she was. I don't think she still is, because I think... She has since gone through her retirement community and has had her own social life. But I don't know if she may still be... She may be a Red Hatter um, under the cover of darkness or something. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the ridiculous hat in
1: under a while. Under the cover of darkness. When you require 50-plus vigilante justice, you go to... <laughs> the Red, red, red
0: hat, hat Society. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um yeah they're they're I mean they're good for what they are. They, you know, as I said they like to go to lunch and they they go to like museums and shopping like, and I'm stuff. I'm all
1: for women female empowerment. Yeah. So don't don't misconstrue my making fun of it as me like making the o- fun uh, the of like The only thing like, I'm making doing... fun of was the goddamn hats because holy shit they're like <laughs> fluffy and sparkly with feathers and they're super outrageous. It, like, puts the fedora of the Shriners to shame. The Fez. The Fez. Yeah, the yeah. Fez. I'm sorry. The Fez of the, the Shriners to shame. I mean, yeah. I would like to see some Red Hatters roll down the street in little tiny cars. <laughs> I mean, right behind the Shriners. Like, It'd be like a uh, fucking circus of old folks. That'd be a l- hilarious. Um, but, yes. So, apparently,
0: Our Lady of Turkeydom has been kicked out of the Red Hat
1: Society. Yes! So she actually wrote a letter to the editor of the newspaper. Now, I'm going to try to read this exactly how it was presented, because they didn't edit the way that she wrote it. And I think it really boils down to the pure bat shit. Bat shit cuckoo! To the editor, follow up as a sad note from a once happy turkey. To belong to a hatter group, one must not get arrested. Life happens, and some people might trip over a line draw in the sand. Accused of shoplifting, I have been outed by what I thought were sisters of a fraternal group. No recommendations accepted while laying in a hospital bed. No visits from the sisters whose extravagance is publicly applauded and admired because accusations were tendered worn by them. Lesson learned, choose your comrades carefully and only wear... A big hat if you are certain the line in the sand is not dangerous. And don't fall ill because that note not fun anymore. Irene Lenhart, Village of Country Club Hills. <laughs> so, I think that the moral of our story
0: here tonight, people, is do not wear an ostentatious red hat. Wear your goddamn turkey costume and wear it with pride. Maybe she should start like a turkey lady society. <laughs> That'd be great. They could all wear turkey costumes and pretend they're not shoplifting.
1: With denim dresses and just freeball it. <laughs> Listen, I have. I am a lady of a certain age, and it drives me out. Okay, underwear drive me out. Okay, I'm What do you already... wear your
0: depends
1: in? Well, that's the thing is, if you're old enough, it don't matter where you go, okay? You could shit on the floor of the dollar store, and it's okay. You just blame it on the little kid and be like, he must have pooped his pants. By the way, I have to go, okay? Can you hurry up this transaction?
0: Uh, We are not condoning pooping in public. But, if you have any stories that you'd like to share with us about turkeys... (laughs) Or chickens, or ducks, or geese,
1: for that matter. Oh my <laughs> God! I got one more. I got. I got. Oh, one more. he's right. got one more. All right. So when I was a kid, my nana had a best friend named Janet. Of course. They did. Yeah, so, her best friend, my my nana would actually put like one of those weird like woven rugs on the passenger seat whenever Janet rode with us because she had. A little slippage problem. A little incontinence. <laughs> a little incontinence on the ass side. <laughs> <laughs> but she was taking us to the park one day because she was babysitting us. And we go to the park and we're hanging out and all of a sudden she's like, we gotta go back right now. And we're like, okay. So she's running. And she's like, chicken and dumplings, chicken and dumplings, chicken and doublet. She's just shit. Just pouring down her fucking leg. <laughs>
0: Oh my God! <laughs> Who screams chicken and dumplings
1: while pooping? Well, apparently that's why she was shitting herself because she ate chicken and dumplings.
0: <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the next time you have to go to the bathroom really bad, just run past people going chicken and dumplings.
1: <laughs> or my favorite, I got a Poo! Like we were joking the other day, if we had a kid, I would get our kid to be like, go tell that little old lady that you have to poop, and then I'll take you to the bathroom. So you can just imagine a kid coming up, tugging on your dress in a store randomly. I have to poop.
0: This is why we're not allowed to have children. This is why we have cats and not kids. All right,
1: like, all right good boy, let's go to the bathroom now. Did you poop yourself? Maybe. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our episode. Uh, we would in- implore you
0: to join us on Instagram at DietBlackPodcast. We are up over 85 followers as of today.
1: Yeah. And we are got growing. A- over and- 100 listens on our podcast.
0: And we, again, got to give a shout out to the podcast community there's a lot of us out there we implore people to listen to not only us but our sisters and brethren in the true crime world because we're out there we're a weird
1: little group but we support the hell out of each other um we may cover some of the same stuff over again but you're always gonna get a different opinion like i've heard different stories from actually actually listening to a uh, uh, paranormal chicks is why I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Mine Hunter because they were talking about Ed Kemper and I just absolutely like they covered it and then talked about it. So I was like, okay, I have to see this. And guy. I
0: was actually just listening to the creepy caffeine um, episode where they go over the serial killers of, of the second season. So, you know, we are all kind of mining the same terrain, um, but we all have our own different takes on it. And again, that's why we're doing kind of a lot of local stories right now, because we think that they're things that we have not seen a lot of. But if there is a story that you find interesting and you want us to cover, shoot us an email at dietblack at com. We are always looking forward to hearing from our people, and we want to know what you want to hear. Yeah,
1: and I want to put in um, some new, like, mini-sodes or bonus episodes of, like, um, if you've got ghost stories, because I have ghost stories, but I want to have, like, sister stories to tell with them. Like, I've got a shit ton of them, but I want other people's as well.
0: And we're working on our Patreon. We've had a couple of friends that we're going to have come over and tell us their stories and they're going to be random talks with our friends and we're getting that together. So when we're ready to launch the Patreon, we will let you know about that and what the different tiers of that will be, but it will be bonus content that you will only be able to hear there. So look forward to that. Um, we are still working on the Facebook thing. I don't know how we got lost in there. Um, it just seems to be a Facebook glitch that we can't get back into it. Um,
1: so I mean, we will, but it's just going to take some time.
0: Yeah, we've just got to figure out what the Zuck wants us to do. So, um, but yeah, Instagram right now is the best place to get a hold of us quickly. Or if you want to talk to us longer, please shoot us an email. As we I mean, said you can
1: message us too on Instagram and we'll totally respond right away. Yeah. Um you know if, if if this episode sparks something just put it on one of the posts that we talk about with the episode. We've already mm-hmm. got a a photo a couple of photos up. There's a traduckin, there's a couple other things. So there's a picture of the Steve
0: Carell Brown's chicken commercial and um we'll put up a post of the Duck Killer too so you can see what he looks like. Yeah, I do I I, I grabbed one already. So okay. There. Um, so yeah, that is us for tonight, um, on Thursday, but hopefully next week we do intend to go back to our Wednesday recording schedule.
1: Yeah, I think what I'd really like to do on Thursday is a story that I grew up with. Okay. If that's cool with you.
0: Um, no. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm up for new stuff. We've got a list of things we're working on for you guys, so... We will be in touch. Stay tuned. You'll see hints on the Instagrams. And in the meantime, Diet Black. And keep it creepy.